This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Arsenal, of course, basking still in the glory of yesterday's win against Liverpool. And, you know, I thought we might continue that too. So for today's show, I'm going to be joined by a very special guest as we look back on yesterday's victory and look ahead to more frustrating words from the Celebration Police. This is the Let's Talk Arsenal show. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back with you guys for another episode of what is the Let's Talk Arsenal show. What are you doing, James? Taking a picture. I'm celebrating still. Oh, I see. I see. Of course. Yes. Getting your camera out. Of course. I should have got the reference straight away. Yeah, completely through me. Like Way over my head. But uh, (laughs) I'm sure some of the listeners or the watchers, those that are listening, won't have a clue what you were doing. Um, But... uh, uh, yes, I am joined by uh, Sky's James Green. How you doing, mate? You good, Joel? I'm good, yeah. Today's quite a good day, isn't it, after yesterday? Mm, a tad. I woke up feeling a lot better than I thought I was going to. Genuinely, I, 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 I'm always optimistic, but I didn't hold out as much hope as, as Arsenal delivered. I mean, how did you feel going into it? It's Liverpool, isn't it? Um, I'd send, <laughs> I've got a WhatsApp group of a couple of mates who are Arsenal fans, and I sent them a picture before the game with a giant pillow kind of covering my face um you know we uh we haven't got the best record against liverpool let's be real i think i read mm-hmm. something i think between 2015 2022 19 games we won one you know you go as arsenal fans go into the game against liverpool and you just sit there and fear the worst um and obviously even when we played well in the fa cup uh third round at the start of jan we lost the game and it's just one of the teams that seems to always have something over us but um I was proved wrong and we were able to celebrate. It was great. Mm, absolutely. It was, I was surprised about how poor they were, actually. Um, the FA Cup game, of course, I thought we limited them in that game as well. And, you know, if we'd have taken our chances, it would have been a very different result. Second half, Liverpool certainly responded and were better in the FA Cup game. But for much of yesterday's game, it felt as though if there was going to be one team that were going to win it, it was going to be us. Um, defensively, they were calamitous at times. I know that we had our own moment of of chaos, which led to their only goal of the game. But to limit them to no big chances 
in the entire fixture. A Liverpool team that I think recorded something like seven plus XG against Newcastle, was it, in a recent game? That's quite impressive, is it not? Yeah, it is. And, you know, all you have to do is look at their lineup, look at their squad and see the attacking talent that they have for likes of, you know, okay, Salah's not there at the moment, but Salah, Nunes, Jota, Diaz, Gakpo. I mean, it's, it's frightening, really. You know, we, we, we haven't got a forward line like that um, and the depth in that in those positions. For Arsenal to be able to nullify that Liverpool strike force, their creativity, as you mentioned, the Newcastle United game. I mean, generally, the only way it looked like Liverpool were going to score yesterday was a mistake. And obviously, that that's what happened. Unfortunately, we're getting a bit used to that as Arsenal fans, individual wearers leading to goals. But not sure we'll get on to that. But no, I thought we were terrific. I thought without the ball, we were brilliant. And, you know, Liverpool had more possession. I think it's 50%. Mm. No problem at all. Arsenal just looked so comfortable. Liverpool just couldn't couldn't get anything moving. You know, the, their only threat actually was going long. And every time they went long, they put us, put us under a little bit of pressure. But there was a long period in the game, especially second half, where, OK, we had to sit off a little bit. I think Liverpool came out of the traps pretty quick. But when we kind of got to terms with it, it started in that second half. Again, we were just so comfortable in the way the team's organised without the ball. And this is, again, it go, this is credit to what they do on the training pitch. This is credit to Arteta, mm. the coaching staff, because they coached them spot on for this game to nullify any threat that Liverpool had. And, and we know with Liverpool, especially on that right-hand side with Trent, we know he likes to go forward. He's now liking to go inside a lot. That's why Martinelli plays so well against Liverpool. He has best games of the season every single time against Liverpool because space opens up for him down that side. And I thought he was terrific. I, I really did. He he was a real outlet for us. You know, without the pace of Gabriel Jesus, we really relied on Martin. And we've got to be honest about Saka. Yeah. I, I thought Saka was a bit disappointing, actually. He couldn't really get in the game. Yes, he got his goal. Great. Yeah. Uh, but couldn't really get in the game. But Martinelli on that left-hand side provided something that I don't think we've seen really too much this whole season so far. Uh, I thought he was yeah. terrific. And yeah, look, great performance. But to nullify a team like Liverpool, lost just once in the Premier League all season with that strike force. That's tremendous, tremendous performance by the lads. Mm. And we went into it, of course, with a bit of a blow because in midweek, Gabriel Jesus starred in that 2-1 win over Nottingham Forest, goal and assist in that game, looked like he's getting back to his best. And then suddenly you find out the news that despite he am actually training in that session they did at the Emirates Stadium where they filmed the the kind of the pre-match video, which really I did think have an effect. It definitely amped up because the stadium was was rocking prior to kickoff. And I think certainly the efforts that Arsenal did on a, on a media level had an impact on that. But yeah, he was available up until that training session. And then we find out in the hours leading up to the game that, that he's had a setback with his injury. It doesn't seem to be too serious according to Arteta and he might be back for the uh, the next game uh, against West Ham. But Havertz, who came in for him, I thought had a really... Someone described it to me yesterday as a Diego Costa-type performance, and I kind of see what they're saying because he put himself about and he was a proper nuisance, and I can appreciate for what it was. It wasn't like a stunning number nine display. You know, obviously he had the chance where he missed, but thankfully Bukayo Saka was there to, to mop up. But he won headers, he won duels, he won tackles, he linked up play really well. There's actually a part of the goal that we scored, the Saka goal. He gets involved really early in the build-up, drops in deep to link up play. And obviously, is as a nightmare for Ibrahim Kanate, who got sent off. 
two challenges on him throughout the game. How did you feel when you saw the lineup initially? And then, of course, as the game progressed, how you thought about his performance? Yeah, I think like all Arsenal fans, be disappointed every single time Gabriel Jesus does something well or has a really good game. It always feels like there's an injury waiting for him. It's been really the story of his Arsenal career so far is good performances and then picks up an injury and doesn't get that momentum that we really crave from him. But I think if we're being honest with Havertz, I mean, we've spoken a lot about Havertz in the past as well, but his best performances for Arsenal are in that centre-forward role. And I still believe, and I've said this from when he joined, that Havertz coming in was to offer and provide Arsenal with alternatives. Something that we didn't have last year, where we had our set lineup, we knew exactly how, how we were going to be lined up, as did every single opposition uh, team. Whereas this season, if with Havertz, you can have the ability to play him as that false nine or offer something different. We hit the ball long a few times against Liverpool, mm. which we had to because Liverpool at times pressed us quite well uh, further up the field. But Havertz provides that height, physical presence. Uh, he does get stuck in, as you mentioned, and he definitely put it about. So look, yeah, I wasn't, I was disappointed that Gabriel Jesus wasn't there, but I was quite pleased actually that Havertz was starting in that role. And and look, yeah, I thought he was excellent. You mentioned his role in the first goal. I think we look back at that first goal, that was everything that Mick Arteta is doing with this Arsenal side, playing that risk for wall football, playing out from the back. They picked their moment. Sinchenko did you know, really well to cut inside, mm. take out a couple of players, play the right ball. Uh, I, I'm not sure if there's <clears throat> any Arsenal fan that believed Havertz was going to score when he ran through. Um, but um, yeah. got, got a bit of fortune. But his all-round play was exceptional. Um, and and look, looking at that team, yes, disappointed with the Gabriel Jesus. Jorginho was the right call, I think. Anyway, it was the right call. Mm. Regardless of, you know, we can talk now in hindsight, he was obviously the best player on the pitch, I think, really alongside Declan Rice. But him in that those big games, he just provides an element of security that I feel like against those bigger teams with three higher quality midfield players, we need that. We need that element of control and stability in the middle of the park. And I thought he provided that. What did you make of Jorginho's performance? I thought he was man of the match, mate. I, I thought he was you know, stunningly calm. Um, I say stunningly. We've kind of come to expect that type of performance from him in the biggest of games. You know, this is someone that's won the Champions League, won a European title with Italy. He has played and performed on the biggest of stages and delivered, you know, not so long ago, he was a you know nominee for the Ballon d'Or, you know. So we've got to remember what player we've got. For 12 million quid, I think we've had an absolute bargain for him. You know, twilight years of his career. But when you consider the the irony of... Chelsea spending 200 plus million on Enzo Fernandez and Moises Caicedo. Arsenal have got a better player for a fifth of that, uh, you know, of uh, sorry, the 5% of that price they've spent. We've got on on Jorginho. And he has been, I think, arguably more impactful for us than those two players have been for Chelsea. Um, he's obviously stepped up in game, big games previously. And I guess the question now is that, you know, because there's going to be changes for the West Ham game, I think. You don't necessarily approach these games in the same way because it's a different team and you expect to have more of the ball. But we lost there earlier in the season. We drew there last season after taking that two-goal lead and frustratingly conceding twice uh, in that game. Um, we obviously were up against Declan Rice the last time we played them there in the league. But uh, do you feel as though Jorginho should really continue into 
that game and offer the calmness that that he had in this one? Uh, perhaps. Uh, it's a difficult one. I, I think it's one that Mikel Teta will look at closely. Again, it is down to the opposition. It's down to how much possession you're going to have. You know, against the Liverpool, who are going to have more possession than you, he's, he's, he's the perfect player because he's so disciplined in, in his positional mm. sense. And he really works well with Declan Rice. I thought both of them worked so well together without the ball. Again, I'll, I'll reiterate that a lot, but they just moved together. They communicated well together. One would press, the other would sit back. And I, I thought they were just, I think if you watch that game back, just look at them, the whole team without the ball, they were just they were just in sync with each other. It, it was mm. terrific. I don't think I've seen us so competent without the ball in many a year, if I'm honest with you. Uh, but moving on to yeah, West Ham, look, um, we will have more possession. So it's whether he chooses to go with, you know, we went with Smith Rowe against... Um, mm. Forest. Forest, wasn't it? Sorry, against Forest, whether he, whether Jesus is back, could he play Havertz in that position? Um, it depends. I think it, it's, 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 it's possible. It's possible. But we know that there's no point beating Liverpool if you can't go and beat West Ham. So mm. and we know our recent troubles with West Ham, a team that actually we had a fantastic record previously, but the last three we haven't won against. So he might well go with a Jorginho um, do I think that's been the issue against West Ham? I mean, if we go back to go back to the game at the Emirates, I mean, how we didn't win that game, I'm not really quite sure. So I don't know is the answer. I, and that's really sitting on the fence with splinters in my arse, isn't it? Mm, yeah, a little. <laughs> but I think that it's it's become a, a good problem that we are struggling to pick teams for certain games. It shows you the depth that perhaps we've underestimated at times in this Arsenal squad. When we get, you know, Timber into the squad, there's I've seen whispers today around that he could be back in training the next few weeks, which is amazing. Um, which I've said for some time, I expected it would be maybe a March return for Timber, and that seems to be the the pathway that we find ourselves on with him. Uh, Fabio Vieira hopefully will be coming back soon to offer another attacking option for us if we want to change things up with him. Must Partey, we keep fingers crossed that maybe we'll see him, but it just constant setback after constant setback with him. It gives Arsenal lots of options. And yeah, don't worry about it. And the chat says we got Tommy Asu back as well. He's just come back from the Asia Cup. And, you know, he is a huge, huge boost to the defensive options that we've got. Zinchenko's injury, a little bit of a concern. But Tommy Asu, I suppose, comes straight back into that left-back position and offers us some really good defensive support. So, we have loads of, of of depth, and I think Arteta has has a lot of options, which makes it harder to to pick. Sticking back with the Liverpool game and the, kind of the context around the result, I felt as though if Arsenal lost this, they were really out of the title race. To be honest, I really couldn't see us. You know, if we'd have drawn, the conversation continues, but five points is still a big gap. I, but I've, I can't think of a game in which there's been such a swing of the perception around one team and their ambition to say that. In February, losing a game takes you out of the ambition you have of winning a title. Winning the game means Arsenal now are being considered as as, as, as much of a, a potential for the title as Liverpool are because they've beaten them and drawn against them this season and have got this building momentum that they're going through. How do you view Arsenal now in the context of title challenges or you know, how do they stack up against the opposition? Exactly, exactly as you said it, you know, we, we lost that game. If we lost that game, we'd be eight points behind them. That's just such a long way back. City, of course, mm. has still got a couple of games in hand on us as well. Look, it would have been, 
it had been really, really difficult from there, to be honest with you. And the way Liverpool have been playing up until this point, you would just see that as probably a stretch too far, knowing that you know, we, Arsenal are going to drop points between now and the end of the season. That's going to happen. It's just when does that happen um, in the remaining fixtures? But it was such a vital win. It put us back into the mix. It gave the fans a boost. The players, I think, since that international break, since the um, winter break, shall I say, they've been excellent. You know, we, they were under pressure. There's no doubt about it. The Christmas period was a bit of a disaster, particularly culminating at Fulham game, which was yeah the worst performance of the season so far. Uh, but the way they've come back, obviously the stuff they've worked on in that training camp in Dubai, um, and and the performances they put in, they're getting there. Do you know what I mean? They're battling. It's not. It's certainly not perfect, and there's certain aspects and areas that they can still improve upon. But we've got to take the positives in. Okay, we've got a bit of momentum now, but we've got to go into Sunday. Sunday becomes so crucial because again. When you go into these places that notoriously have been difficult, whether it's been like a Crystal Palace who we've had some struggles with, whether it's a Brentford, uh, even going to Forest as we did, you know, it's mm -hmm. a place where we had a one in three games. So, you know, West Ham's going to be a difficult challenge, but, you know, you win that and then you can feel a real sense of momentum coming forward. We've got some maybe slightly favourable fixtures, I would say, coming up. Hmm. We've got a bit, a bit of a gap in between our games again, a week's gap before the next game, and then obviously the Champions League starts. The players yeah. are fresh; they look fit, they look fresh. I thought their fitness levels were exceptional yesterday. They had to be, of course, chasing after the ball uh, for long periods against Liverpool. But I think that break has really, really helped them, and it's uh, certainly invigorated them. Uh, as players that look, they're going to learn so much more from what happened last season. They know that. Um, regardless of the good feeling around the club and around the performance yesterday, they know that there's just one game. It's just three points. They'll go again back in training this week and they'll prepare for Sunday, one game at a time leading to the end of the season. And I just don't see them letting up like they did last season. Now that doesn't mean Arsenal are going to win the league. That just means I just don't see them letting up and it's then down to what Liverpool and Manchester City can do. Um, mm. I, I think I know Villa are, what, three points behind us at the moment. Yeah. You know, I can't say they're out of it. But three points behind? Let me have a look. Yeah, I think yeah, they're, yeah, they're 46. Man City 46. Uh, but they play tonight, of course. We're recording this just before uh, Man City play Brentford. So we won't talk about that because it will change uh, in, you know, in just over an hour's time. But... Yeah, I, there was always that worry that if we didn't win this game, we would have been drawn into that top four battle more than the title race. You know, I think that's, um, fair. that's, that's, I think that's a fair observation. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't win that, would have been two points clear of Spurs. They're getting players back. Um, that would still keep us, what, a point behind Villa. You know, then mm -hmm. we're absolutely in that top four battle. And then it's almost like the shift, the mindset shifts. And it becomes a different season and a different focus. Now that you can build that momentum and actually look forward instead of looking backwards, because I feel like you're in that top four mix. You're always looking over your shoulder who's behind you. Whereas now it's like, yeah. okay, we've just got to keep chasing, chasing that top spot. Uh, and look, City win their games at hand, they're above us. Liverpool are above us. We could just keep hunting them down. If we focus what's ahead, sometimes that's a little bit better. And we noticed last season when we're ahead, we're too busy worried about what was going on behind us. And I, I think that was probably something that tripped us up a little bit. 
Yeah, it's weird the dynamic being the chasers rather than being the chased. Um, and it'll be intriguing to see how Arsenal deal with that, with the pressure on each game. Every game's a bit of a cup final, you know, whereas when you're winning and you're you're leading and you've got that gap, it almost it allows complacency to fall. Unless you're like a machine like Man City are, where they just churn out results, you know. That experience of chasing the title challenges is, is an interesting one. Just looking at our next five fixtures um, in the Premier League, because I know we've got Champions League football returning as well. We've got West Ham away, Burnley away, then Newcastle at home, Sheffield United away, and then Brentford at home. So you look at those. Newcastle is tough, obviously, but you're playing them at home. You would have the expectation that you're looking to win that. Interestingly, Bruno Gimaraes is on nine yellow cards. If he gets one booking in the next two games, he has two match ban. Um, Joel Linton's out for the season. Um, Isaac has got, you know, fitness concerns as well. So th- they could be pretty threadbare, uh, depending on certain scenarios. But they have got other players back. Harvey Barnes obviously came back and scored against Luton. Did you watch the craziness of St. James's Park the other yeah, day? Yeah, I, I caught up with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Look, I, I've got a soft spot for Luton, done a lot of work with Luton this season. Mm. Uh, Rob Edwards is Your just... lookalike, Rob Edwards, you mean? He's brilliant. And, you know, we, we I'm lucky I've got a good relationship with him and we get on very well. And he's he's just done a remarkable job with that football club. They've given He's given them this feeling of never giving up, Every time they've lost, they've never, it's never been like a hangover. You know, when you lose games, sometimes it can really, it can churn and last. It's forgotten about Luton. Um, and now mm. they've got this bravery they've, they've built from the first half of the season to go, you know what? We could take on City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Spurs that, that they have done this season. And we can really go at these teams. It doesn't matter where it is. We've just got to be a bit braver, and and we're starting to see that in fruition. Um, it's unbelievable. Uh, but look, Newcastle. All, all I said, Newcastle game. I think if I, I want Bruno Gimarash to be there, I want him to be playing. And really, I want, I want the Arsenal players to remember what he did at St James's Park. Oh, that, that, I, I just want. Match. I, 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 he he deserves a bit of treatment. He does. He deserves the Emirates Stadium getting on his back. He deserves the players giving him a little bit on the pitch we need to get our own back on him because he causes problems he causes problems through his aggression no problem at all mm. no problem with it but we've got to make sure that we stand up and be counted against them uh, right tom before we carry on mm. celebration talk to me come on it's i don't know time. what that is I don't, i've never celebrated anything in my life because <laughs> i just assume that's the way forwards that i've got to act as a human being because i have no emotion at all not allowed <laughs> Now, these, these are your colleagues, you know. Talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. It's, do you know what? Micah Richards said it, didn't he, about a year ago? Yeah. A year, year and a half ago. And he, and he said it perfectly. He said, when it's Arsenal, there always seems to be a pile on. And he's absolutely spot on. Look, yes, Sky, I work for Sky. My colleagues are never going to say anything too bad at all. Having said that, I'll quite happily call them out for being wrong. But yeah, we're used to this every single time. It's Arsenal. It's a completely di- different narrative to any other football club. Arsenal just beaten top of the league, just ensured that they stayed in a title race and put themselves right in the mix of the title race. Beat a team that they've really struggled against over recent mm. years. A team that's lost just one Premier League game all season. Of course they're going to celebrate. Why shouldn't they? This is football. We're supposed to celebrate. Wolves were celebrating a victory at Stamford Bridge. They're allowed to, right? 
because mm. they're oh they're wolves and oh it's a big victory. This was just a as big a victory for us, you know. Um, it's it's nonsense. It's personal feelings coming into it. We know where you know we know Gary's got an issue with Arsenal from his United days. It's like a rivalry thing. Um, mm. And Jamie Carragher, he's one thing I'd say about Carragher. He's and it is still there's still this Arsenal feeling with him, but he also knows the banter with the Arsenal fans. He knows what's going to happen and it's yeah. it on Arsenal fans. But he he has been fairly consistent about over celebrating. I think it's just something in him that is that irks him. Uh, he was, if you remember back when he was a player, mm. he never really he wasn't one who really celebrated too much. He was quite on. He was quite level headed. Yeah. And I think it's old school, no nonsense. And I think so. I think he's got this mentality that he just doesn't Mm. want this over celebrated. But having said that, if that was Klopp, if that was the Liverpool player celebrating in front of their fans at the Emirates after beating Arsenal 3 1, getting a Mm. camera out, taking pictures, we know that's not going to be talked about. We know there's going to be no problem with them celebrating like that. Um, And that's the frustrating thing. But all I'd say is to all Arsenal fans, just don't rise to it. Just enjoy it. Don't listen to them. You enjoy your moment because we should do. We're, it's football. There's too much serious stuff going on in life. If we can't escape in 90 minutes or 100 minutes of football, celebrate when your team scores a goal. Celebrate when you, you get three points. What the hell are we watching and being a part of football for? Oh, exactly. I, I spoke quite passionate this morning about it. Like. Football is an escape for people. Like, you know, everyone works very hard all week. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the world. People have got health issues, social issues, financial issues. And whether it's watching it on the telly or going to the game, you know, sport is something to enjoy. And these people just want to diminish that joy. I loved Ian Wright's speech that he put out after the game. thought that was excellent. Um, I think that there's a danger that, the world we live in right now is so much about short form content and quick engagement and creating these clippable, like kind of, you know, minute long clips that are going to get the most traction. And it seems the celebration police is something that riles Arsenal fans up more than any other. So knowing that that engagement is there, you know, means that people are more inclined to to bring it up. Um, Ramsey Pumpkin says James was brilliant on the Ask Cast. I don't know if you've heard James McNicholas's uh, version on the Ask Cast. I won't repeat the words he used. <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard the clip, um, and I quite like the um, person in question. I've always had quite a good relationship with him, but um, yeah, but James is uh, <laughs> entitled to his opinion. I think it's probably you know everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everyone's I guess. entitled to opinion. But look, that 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 person in mind. He's someone who likes to wind people up. Yeah. Again, if you if you rise to it, you're just kind of just giving them what you want. And look, it's not my way of doing it. Um, I don't want to. I don't need to wind up Tottenham fans or anything like that. And and ultimately, and, and ultimately, honestly, I was like watching it and I was seeing the noise around it, and it was so ridiculous. But I actually, genuinely, if that was Spurs celebrated, I'd be just as annoyed with anybody else having a go at them for celebrating celebrate we, we should never stop anyone celebrating i i really it doesn't matter who they are let them celebrate have your moment why not you you work hard you train hard all week to play those 90 minutes of 
tough football than it is now in the Premier League. Uber competitive football, and you know it doesn't matter what team it is. You know we shouldn't be stopping them. And you know someone like Chris Sutton, we know he's he's just on the wind up. That's yeah. What I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gary, I Nevin. think they all are though. I, I, there's part of me that thinks they don't really believe. No, of course what they're don't. saying. They don't really think that we should be tamp- like tempering expectations or just kind of quietening celebrations down. I think there is always the undertone of, you know, if this was Manchester United that Gary Neville was talking about, or as you said, if it was Liverpool that Carragher was talking about, that it'd be different. Um, and what uh, Micah Richards summed it up really, really well. Uh, Ian Wright summed it up really, really well as well. That the uh, Arsenal just creates something different, you know, in the conversation and, Arsenal can never have nice things uh, as, as a club, it seems. But Arsenal we're always the... Arsenal are very noisy on social media, right? Mm. Yeah, we're a they're, reactive they're, bunch, is what we are. Yeah, exactly. And as a fan base, just, just so big on social media. And like you said, it is about engagement now, short form content and stuff like that. And some of these people know what they're doing. Others... Yeah, maybe it's an opinion. What, what disappointed me about the coverage after the game, though, was... It just, it was so negative towards mm. Arsenal. Arsenal mm. just won the game. And it's what really disappointed me. And again, if I saw Gary, I would tell him, um, you, you, you've just watched Arsenal beat top of the league. Yeah. Yet your narrative coming out of it is they're still not good enough. They're not good enough to win the league. They're not going to do this. They're not going to do that. They're still lacking up front. Yeah, we, we, we know we are, but we've just scored three goals. We've scored two mm. the week before, we've scored five the week before that. Uh, we're rectifying maybe some of the issues we've had throughout the season. Um, And and that really disappointed me. They should have been full praise for how they set up. Jorginho should have been heavily praised. Declan Rice, again, a terrific performance. Martinelli, again, was was brilliant. Um, Yeah, it was disappointing. It was disappointing. But look, as Arsenal fans, I think sometimes we've just got to take a step back, smile, and kill them with kindness because they're only doing it because they're worried. Yeah, I didn't. I wrote a 500-word piece about it, so I guess I've not, I've not grown up enough yet. So, <laughs> But it is what it is. Uh, I, I Yeah, I think it's a shame. I think football, in a way, media is moving away from the analysis and the, the football talk and more toward the social stuff, which and I, I hope that we get back. I hope we find a balance. I think both can exist. You know, I think you can have fun. I think you can create good, engaging content in short form as well. But we can't lose sight of the the good football track. The reason why we like the the, the sport, you know, is for the, the the great moments and the great goals and the celebrations are part of that. You know, I always remember the Mario Balotelli celebration. You know, pulling the shirt or is it it's stuff like that mm-hmm. is 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 great. And I love the pictures of seeing Martin Odegaard taking photos. I spoke to Odegaard after the game, and you know, he was in such a good mood. You could just feel like his absolute relief but also how buzzing he was about the performance and I think he is really bought into Arsenal Football Club I think he really sees himself as like the, the face of the club as, as captain but I think he sees himself as a player and I think he's growing to become a bit of a fan of Arsenal as well do you think? Yeah 100% uh, I remember sitting down with Martin uh, I want to say about 18 months ago, and mm. I actually asked him about whether he sees himself as a future Arsenal captain. And he kind of, he just, he had to be careful how he answered it. He didn't want to answer it the wrong way. Very media trained is Martin, but he had a little smile on his face. And he said, you know, I, I just, 
I'm just loving my football here, loving the club, loving the environment I'm in, and I don't see myself going anywhere. I'm a leader for for Norway, you know, very young captain for his international side. And yeah, he's grown to love the club. He he really mm. loves what this club's about. This is a club also that gave him an opportunity. Uh, you know, this was a highly rated young talent that everybody was raving about. An opportunity goes to Real Madrid, doesn't necessarily work out for him. Goes out on loan, I believe, if if, if I'm not mistaken. Then he yeah. came to us on loan for a little bit. Then we made the deal permanent, and, and we we believed in him. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And Mick Arteta really believed in him, giving him the captain's armband as well as just showing him that belief. And yeah, look, he's a he's a person that he gets mentioned a lot. You know, when he, I think Declan's mentioned him in the post-match as well about how at halftime, I mean, he was asked at halftime, like, were you feeling really down and dejected after a really strong 45 minutes? conceding that goal it's kind of understandable to change it might be quiet he was like mm. no because we've got characters like Jorginho like the kid like the skipper and he said just keep up that belief and he always mentions the skipper always mentions Martin Erdegaard Mrs Declan Rice who I think we all probably see as potentially a future Arsenal captain but while Martin Erdegaard's there maybe that's not necessarily the case but he loves he loves the club he loves the club he's a big part of us I still want to see a bit more from him on the pitch. I, hmm. I still feel we're not seeing. I thought he turned up though. Like, I, I look, we, he's, he's yeah. great. I, I actually put a tweet out um, during the game that he, without the ball, was terrific, and he leads our press. You know, his oh, yeah, does, energy yeah. and pace leads that press. And without the ball, he didn't stop working. He was he was pressing to the ninety seventh, ninety eighth minute mm. yesterday. His energy was fantastic, and look, he was brilliant. I just want to see a little. I want to see him just grab some of these games by the neck and just really take control because he's got that in him. Uh, he really has. But um, yeah, terrific, terrific player. He, he's everything that Arsenal's all about right now under Mikel Teta and this current era we're in. He, he's a big part of that. Yeah, he really is. Um, we're going to jump into the chat box now and, and take some of your questions. The serious ones. I might have to skip over some of the unserious ones. Like, <laughs> I what, just saw one of them. James, this nightly skincare routine, for instance, being one of them. I mean, you can share it if you like, I suppose. But Tom, it's very important when you're on air most days and on TV. You know, you've got to look after your skin. Uh, drink lots of water. Drink lots of water. Stay fully hydrated and get some good moisturizer and use it every day. There you go. There you go. Top tips. Love it. Um, Arsenal Adventure says, how many chances does Erdegaard need to create for us to score? I do feel like the, he's a man robbed of assists. Like, he just is robbed of... A, like, Havertz, for instance, should have given him an assist for the one he set him through for. I, like, we talk about he doesn't produce yeah. enough assist numbers, but maybe he's let down by those around him sometimes. Yeah, and I think, I, I think that's fair. And maybe, uh, you, know, you know, this season, maybe it could be completely different and I might have a different narrative if players were there to finish the chances off. I mean, you, you do have to say you chuck a, 
a real top quality goal scorer in that team with him around it's kind of scary what what could happen and the amount of goals that Arsenal could score uh, I think that's mm. I mean that's a fair question yeah a fair point as well that yeah you know Erd- um Havertz should have scored and Kivior should have done so much oh, better. Was that Odegaard's cross for Kivio? Uh, Odegaard's cross, yeah. yeah. Cross. So, yeah, fair point. I, I agree with that. Indeed. Um, Ranpur says, do you think playing at a higher tempo allows Martinelli to excel more? Yeah, good good question. Uh, absolutely, it does. Yeah, I think the slow pace of the build-up doesn't really fit Martinelli. When And you've got to think when... Teams are in that low block, 11 players behind the ball, defending a bit deep, and there's lack of space in behind. Again, it doesn't suit a player like Gabriel Martinelli. It suits a Pakayo Saka because he is able to manipulate the ball. He's able to create chances for himself. That He's got that smart, intelligent movement, the one-two with Martin Odegaard on that right-hand side that they like to do. And they're able to kind of create those chances. But, but yeah, Martinelli, again, teams that come at us, he's always going to benefit because the space is going to be there in behind. And if we are able to break quickly, again, he's that key guy mm. on that left-hand side. His pace is just electric. I mean, again, he should have had an assist because Saka really, I think we're being honest, he should have done better with that header in the first half too. And that was brilliant work from Martinelli. Um, but I think that's, yeah, I think Rampo, I think you, you, Rampo, you're absolutely right. We do need that fast player. And that's why I think sometimes maybe Arteta's got to look at who he plays on that left-hand side and whether some games actually Trossard might be better suited to start, Martinelli better suited to come on. And again, vice versa, he got it spot on against Liverpool because Trossard's intelligence, he's able to hold the ball up, create chances for himself. He's such an intelligent player. I mean, we are lucky. When we talk about Arsenal's yeah. depth, we've got Leandro Trossard on the bench. He's able to do what he did yesterday against one of the best teams in the country um it, it just shows actually we're not not in a worse position as some will think yeah i agree and it's chris actually says is that is it a strategy thing martinelli is the quick counter play while saka slows the play down i think saka's better against the low blocks mm-hmm. and martinelli's better in transition you know you saw that with the ball in behind from Rea when he beat canate for pace martinelli is better when he's got space ahead of him when he doesn't, he's less effective. And so that's why I think when we're up against low blocks, you tend to see Arteta bring on Trossard sooner because Trossard's better against low blocks than Martinelli is. Saka is obviously can can beat a man. He can cross. He can go onto his right foot as easily as his left foot these days. So, yeah, I think that it's a good point, Chris, about the, the different type of opponent that either of those wingers do suit. But it also means that you can use both of them in the same game because it gives you different options from, from either side. So that's important. Um, going to uh, Amira says, Saliba is usually talked about as this Rolls-Royce, ball-playing centre-back, but can we give Big Gabby more love and applause? Game intelligence improved, decision-making, distribution, maturity, everything's better. Amira, you've come to the right place. I am... <laughs> Gabriel's biggest fan. Uh, last yeah. season, I was raving about him that since uh, from the World Cup break, he was our best centre-back. And I know mm. then Saliba got injured towards the end, but yeah. Gabriel stepped up when Saliba actually, his performances dropped off a bit last season. I thought he was one of, if not the most improved player in the Premier League last season. I thought he was terrific. I think he's gone up a level again. 
Um, his partnership Saliba is so important. They get that familiarity uh, together. He's got that physical presence that Saliba has. And I think he was probably, Gabriel's probably a little bit lucky maybe to stay on the pitch yesterday, if we're being brutally honest. Uh, holding back Nunes probably if the referee gives that as a second yellow. Um, but look, I, I think it's been terrific. Um, there, mm. There'll be all the noise around Saliba because Saliba, the way he plays the game, his time on the ball, his composure, his ball-playing ability always kind of shines and outshines a solid defender. It's like when you go back to that great United sub, Rio Ferdinand and Vidic. Actually, people talk so much about Ferdinand because, again, his skill on the ball, but... Vidic was that dominating centre-back where he wouldn't let anyone through. And Gabriel's fast becoming that. I think he's becoming... I just think he's improving. He's, and, and this is what I think we haven't seen at Arsenal for so many years. And this is why I'm currently such a big fan of Mikel Arteta because he's improving. All the players he's got are getting better and better. We haven't seen it for so many years uh, at Arsenal. The players coming in, they just weren't getting any better. But um, yeah, Gabriel, superb. He deserves all the plaudits. I think he's been excellent. Yeah, and I think that's to be fair, just on the other side of the coin, you know, Saliba's made two errors in the last two games that have led to goals. Um, and I hope that this is a bit of a wake-up call in some ways because players can become too confident and too comfortable in themselves. And so it's important to point out when a player that is incredibly well-liked, incredibly well-appreciated and loved like Saliba does make these errors because you need to add that balance of criticism and praise. And so hopefully that these errors that thankfully haven't cost us in the end are enough that the club are, are noticing them and you can be sure that they're going to be re-watching everything and going over everything and letting them know what is uh, what is right and what is wrong. Um, JC says, James, how are Arsenal viewed by the footballing world now, do you think? Edu has won his award for best director in 2023. We're flying high in the league, a far cry from where we were a few seasons ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we are viewed better than we were. Uh, we're viewed maybe slightly getting back to where we were in the early 2000s. We're not quite there yet. We've got to try and win a title. It's not easy nowadays. It's a lot harder, realistically, than it was back when we were just competing with Man United. We have to be honest with ourselves about that. Uh, the Premier League is far more competitive now below Man City mm. than it was in the past. What all teams have got to try and do is get close to Manchester City and the way we've been doing that the last couple of years are certainly showing that. And also are getting more respect on the world stage. I mean, you can see how we're viewed in the footballing world by the fact that we managed to sign Declan Rice, a player that's been, you know, let's be honest, probably the second best defensive midfield player in the world. And we're able to prize him to Arsenal back in the Champions League, qualify through to the knockout stages. We've started to get that ball rolling on the uh, world stage again. I think the following's coming back to Arsenal. Arsenal have been talked about so much more and more positively. Uh, and, and it is the work that not just we're seeing on the playing side by Mikel Teta and, and the players, but the likes of Edu, what they're doing behind the scenes, the structure behind the scenes at the club. They've got a more streamlined structure now it seems mm. to be that everybody knows their role the communication element is excellent the planning the club are doing in the transfer windows is so much better uh and and they're just making the they're making the right decisions and look we know that in football and in all business the right decisions aren't always made mistakes can happen we just have to kind of accept that we have to accept it on the pitch when a player makes a mistake we have to accept it sometimes in the boardroom but at the moment the mistakes are limited 
and and that's kind of showing throughout the whole club and the whole club just feels so unified right now that you know it's it's hard not for the club not to go on notice in the on the world stage Pe- people are going to look and go hold on a minute Arsenal competing again they're back up to the top they're backing it up for the second season in a row mm-hmm. and I think that's really important as well that it wasn't just a one season charge last year we've actually pushed on again this year and and again we have to look at the back in from the owner in the summer as well, the money that was spent, uh, it's it's finally coming to fruition. Uh, so, yeah, look, it's a positive time to be an Arsenal fan. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of arguments that Arsenal hadn't improved on last season. And I see why, you know, because obviously Liverpool are much better this year and we're not leading the race like we were last season for so long. But when you actually look at some of the finer details of the season, the fact that, you know, the first big scene, big six team we faced, I think, last season was Manchester United and we lost that at Old Trafford. Arsenal are unbeaten in six games against big six sides this season. We've won three of them, including a win against Man City, which we didn't manage once in either of the three games that we played Man City in last season. We've played Liverpool four times in the league. Our last four attempts at playing Liverpool in the league, we've won two and drawn, one, drawn the other two. Unbeaten against them twice at Anfield, going there and, and not losing. You know, yes, we didn't beat Chelsea this time around. They're a pretty poor Chelsea team. But in arguably their best performance of the season when they played us, we still managed to come back and secure a draw in that game. The North London derby was disappointing because obviously we we had that Jorginho mistake, which opened up the opportunity for Spurs to get back into it. But otherwise, I think we probably were the better team and deserved to win that game. And had we have, again, been more clinical, which has been a bit the story of this season, if Arsenal had been a bit more clinical, what, how many more points would we have? And obviously, we look at that festive period if we'd have beaten West Ham and Fulham, and it sucks to say this, I hate it. If we'd have beaten West Ham and Fulham, we're not two points behind the leaders right now, James. We're four points clear. That's a horrible thought. But that is the reality of the sport, is that anyone can win any game and and you have to take your chances when they come. Um, Rancid says, do we need fireworks in the Emirates every time we score a goal? You know, Aston Villa have fireworks before their kickoffs, like every time. I don't know if we need fireworks in the Emirates now. Is, the other way, is this the way forwards? <laughs> Well, maybe it's going that way. I, I'm all for it. I'm all for like, you know, creating more celebrations. That's what we need. You know, more to the yeah. celebration. For sure. <laughs> what did I see? I, I wonder your opinion on this, actually. Um, the North London Forever song. Mm. So I love it. I yeah. think it's brilliant. I think it really unites the team. Uh, it unites the fan base before the game. Everyone stands on their feet. 90% of fans sing it. It's loud. It's it's such a nice way of ramping up the atmosphere just before kickoff. I did see, though, that some Arsenal fans but really they don't like, like it. it. Yeah. Some feel it's forced, um, which I, I empathise with that, and I see where they're coming from. I think, I think the majority that don't like it, and I don't mean to come across disparaging or ageist anyway, but I think it maybe comes from an older supporter that's been, you know, that's watched the club for decades and decades and decades. And this is a new thing. And as humans, we don't really like change. You know, change isn't something that we're we're too accustomed to. And when things are different, there's always a bit of resistance to it. But there has to be a first time for everything. You know, there are going to be, if this is something that is continued with, you know, the younger generations or, you know, people like ourselves, when we're 20, 30 years older, and if North London Forever is still going, we'll see it as an anthem of Arsenal that has, embedded itself in the history you know things like that you know chants that have been around for decades you know that they were doing a first time certain chants were introduced into the you know into the um the, the hymn sheet if you like of arsenal supporters so i understand that why some people don't like it i think it comes from an element of not liking 
to, to kind of force something. But I think people have to remember this is something that Mikel Arteta individually has really pushed for. He was a real pushing. Um, he really was pushing the idea of integrating this into the fan experience. He loved the fact that there was this artist that had kind of you know got such traction with it, and immediately they wanted to use that their advantage what do, you, what do you make of Arteta's kind of like left field we had a, actually a question about one of the other left field things he does uh, Peter says can we change win the dog's name to celebrate instead which I quite like but like the things like win the dog and some of the the quirkiness that Arteta has some of the tats like remember the, the the speakers playing the Anfields you'll never walk alone during training he is a manager he does try these things I think that are a little bit outside the box thinking yeah look if, if we've got a manager who's just doing the same old every single time and not thinking outside the box, I think we'd be having different conversations about the manager. I think the feeling towards the manager might be very different. We've got to embrace that. We've got to embrace change. Mm. We've got to embrace doing something different. We've got to embrace looking at where we can get that extra 1%. And that's something that the Arsenal manager is so keen on. He works so hard to try and find little nuggets of information, tactical, something a bit different tactically, whether it's in training, whether it's to implement in the game, anything to give his side an edge. And look, I'm all for it. I know the reaction after the documentary with the Liverpool, you never walk alone thing, but why not? Why not try it? We've got to do something different because every time we'd gone up to Anfield up until that point, it'd been a real struggle and we hadn't coped in that atmosphere. And all of a sudden, ironically enough, since kind of doing that, uh, results are starting to change. Now, I'm not putting it down to just blasting out the stereo of you'll never walk alone at uh, London Colney, but it's it's a good thing uh, and we need this and we need a manager that's constantly looking to evolve. And, and this is the type of manager that Mikel Arteta is. Um, whether they'll change Wynn's name to celebrate, I'm not quite sure, but they might well bring in another pet and call it celebrate. I'm all for that. I love yeah. Wynn. By the way, Win is a friend. Oh, Win's great. Yeah, yeah. Wow. We've both had the pleasure of meeting Win, and, and uh, yeah, I'm at the training ground. Run straight up to you. Yeah, Brilliant. yeah. Are it's you... a shame I'm allergic to dogs, but uh... <laughs> the only thing you've got to do with Win is uh, you can't like take it like, oh, he loves me. Oh, he so loves me. She, he's like, she. Oh, so loves me. But she's like it with everybody. She's yeah, a hussy. I know. Win yeah. the dog is a hussy. Well, she's a dog. That's what dogs do. <laughs> they literally love everyone. That is the, their job as, as animals. Um, uh, Stephen Foote's now been a member with the channel for 25 months. Thank you so much for the kind support. Uh, Rakesh is also a brand new member today and asks, uh, leaves this comment. Uh, the fact uh, that we are still competing with so many of our main players struggling with injury, of course, that's Partey, Jesus, Fabio Vieira, Tommy Asu, who's not been here either. Uh, and Timber's been missing for the whole season. Uh, shows the improvement that we have made in our squad depth. We are at times pessimistic and ignore that growth. Do you yeah, agree I, think that? I think he's right completely. Um, I, I think that we still haven't got a squad that's at the level of uh, Liverpool or uh, Manchester City in particular. I mean, whether we'll ever have a squad that will be up to the standards that Manchester City have set is it's probably wishful thinking. Um, it's going to be very difficult to get there. But uh, look, the, the way they've been, the way they did the business in the summer, like I said, was excellent. We talk about squad depth. We've had this conversation about the goalkeeper situation again. And yeah, it's disappointing for Aaron Ramsdale, but David Bryant is a superb goalkeeper. We have two very, very good goalkeepers. And actually, we should be pleased about that because if anything did happen to Bryant, 
have got the perfect replacement to come into. And I think for Arteta, his aim and ambition when coming into the club was to ensure that every single position on that pitch, there was competition for places. This is something he spoke about. It's something he continues to strive to do. And if he can see an area where they could potentially improve, he'll look to bring in someone else to offer that competition. Now, And we've seen how ruthless he is. He's not there to please everybody and to make sure that the fan favourites are playing. He's there to win football matches. And if he sees David Breyer as potentially giving Arsenal an extra three or four points or two or three points in a whole season, then he's willing to make that change because he sees that as progress. And, you know, we've got to be positive towards that. The difficulty is, obviously, is keeping, when you've got a big squad, is keeping everybody happy. Uh, at the moment, I think he's doing a fairly good job. I think there's a few that probably will be a little bit unhappy. But if that's the case, then, you know, maybe they're the players that look to move on in the summer. You know, if I'm talking about two in particular, two that offer huge value to Arsenal when it comes to profit and sustainability is Eddie and Ketty and Emil Smith-Rowe because mm-hmm. whatever we sell them for is going to be pure profit and that's going to help balance the book and it's going to help in the opportunity in the summer to bring in that striker that we all crave, that we believe mm-hmm. is probably coming in. So we've just got to do a little bit of business first to get them in. But yeah, right. Uh, Rakesh, great point. I think it's uh, it, it, it's a positive Tone where Arsenal are at a positive level with Arsenal at with regards to squad depth, definitely. Uh, last serious question, then we'll finish with a silly one. Uh, Matt Thornton says, uh, thoughts on Kivior's performance? Thought he was much improved in a more normal fullback role to the inverted one he's been forced to play. 100%. Yeah, I thought he was excellent. Really, really good. Uh, pressure was on because I actually thought Zinchenko played pretty well uh, first half, actually. Yeah. Although Zinchenko does offer that ball playing role he, he's got that ability hasn't he left back coming inside we saw it for the first goal as well he was uh pivotal to that first goal uh but Kivio did did really well I think the key with you know Kivio's there is a he's a center back right we know he's a center back we haven't got any other fullbacks at the moment with uh Tommy Atta obviously coming back now but Timber's injury uh, was a, a real big blow and Kivio op- offers that opportunity now what we've got is Kivio though you've got to understand he's going to be limited in that left back position. So when he is asked to maybe go into that hybrid role where he pushes into midfield, I think he struggles because he's not familiar to that. That's not his game. Mm-hmm. But against a team like Liverpool, where you actually all you're asking him is to, we just need you to be a left back. We need you to defend, pass the ball. You have the opportunities to get forward, as we saw where he should have probably scored. Uh, but I thought it was a terrific performance, really sensible performance from him. Didn't try and do too much. And again, I think that's the key. You've got to know your limitations. I think that that's where Jorginho was excellent yesterday as well. He played his game. He didn't try and do anything too much like we've seen before. He did what he needed to do. He got the ball, he moved it on. He didn't hold on to the ball too long. And Kivio, I thought, did exactly the same. I thought he was really, really good. Uh, provided us that stability that we needed, I think. Especially against the Liverpool side that were always going to come on to us when they were behind. Yeah, absolutely. I raved about him on this morning's 8am show and said, you know, I remember what during the, uh, the at the end of the January transfer window when Lino Souza was was leaving for Aston Villa and a lot of Arsenal fans frustrated. Yeah, and admittedly so. He's a talented young kid and we're losing a very talented young player, but we've got a lot of left backs. You know, we've got four in total that can play there. Um, in Zinchenko, Tomiyasu, Timber and, and Kivior that can all play there. Still with us as well. Exactly. 100% five. Um, and so... Realistically, 
he's not going to get in. And to those fans that in their frustration were saying, well, I'd rather have Sosa than Kivior. Well, I hope that that performance gave you a big reason just to say, well, actually, Arteta kind of knows what he's doing and why actually he can play that position. But you can understand. Look, I understand fans because fans want to see young players come through. It's like Mm -hmm. we crave that. We really want to see the next Bukayo Saka come through into the team. And I I, I get it. I really do uh, because I do too. But we've got to look at the manager who sees these players and the coaching staff as well that see them week in, week out, see them in training, see what they can do. They know where their abilities lie and you've just got to put trust in them that they're making the right decisions for us. And I probably would say they are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just, just I'll just take this one quickly. Bazaar says, do you think Tommy Asu is going to extend his contract? He is set to, mate. Uh, I spoke to somebody at the club this morning. Uh, he is set to sign that new deal. Ben White still in talks. Not a breakthrough as of yet. Um, final question. Bit of a silly one from Jay Collins. We've asked this to our guests before. What is your curry order, mate? Tell us, oh. tell us all. Oh, wow. Interesting one. Uh, I, I tend to actually go for a tandoori mixed grill. Oh, regularly if i'm going for a bit bit more meat um or it doesn't sorry vegans <laughs> yeah, yeah sorry vegans definitely not uh, a vegan meal or sometimes chicken boona um, no, yeah, yeah they, sides oh oh absolutely yeah garlic yeah. Nut all day long oh, yeah, yeah. and an onion bargy you just can't go wrong and of course papa doms now and now we're talking about it i just want to have a curry now Mm, yeah yeah i feel like we talked about food last time actually we yeah. i swear we did get onto food last time. <laughs> it is I, I was saying the reason why is we we ended up doing like a preview show where just half the show got just completely taken over by curry talk and i was talking about i'd only just recently discovered how good a biryani is and so um i like a lamb biryani yeah, it is a lamb biryani, the one that, yeah, it's excellent. Absolutely. Because it's, it's, you don't have to order the rice side. It's all there. Like, you, you know, and then you can have your naan, you get the little vegetable curry on the side as well. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful stuff. Um, but thank you, James. You're getting plenty of love in the chat box as well. Um, appreciate your time. Tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to. Yeah, find me on uh, socials, James Green in UK. Uh, what am I up to this week? I don't know. It might be a bit more of a quieter week, but um, yeah, look, at Sky Sports, you never know where you're going to be sent. And uh, I could be here, there and everywhere. Uh, I'm hosting a business awards dinner on Thursday night, uh, taking my dad to watch England Wales for his 70th birthday on Saturday. Nice. So that would be a nice tame affair. My dad loves a beer, so uh, it could be a long day ahead. I need to prepare <laughs> myself all week by eating as much curry as I possibly can. There you uh, go. But yeah, look, um, yeah, I'll be popping up on Sky Sports, I'm sure, throughout the week at times and next week. And yeah, exciting times. It, it's, do you know, what? It's, it's a good time, isn't it? Champions League's back soon mm. and football's really raging. We've got past that winter break, which I hated, even though it was great for Arsenal. Um, I, I'm glad that now we're right back in the mix of it. Mm. And look, happy days, Arsenal fans. It's, uh, it, look, two points behind Liverpool gotta celebrate don't ever tell don't ever let anybody tell you not to celebrate you celebrate as much as you like Dude. i'm still messaging liverpool fans of mine today all day <laughs> i love it why not embrace it uh but just make sure we've got to make sure sunday sunday's going to be crucial absolutely go in the next game how was deadline day for you covering it who did you cover in the end where were you sent in, i was down in brighton um i'll let you've you done brighton before haven't you i think you've done I was there in the summer, yeah, and it was yeah. just as bad as the summer. Um, <laughs> deadline day is 
look, we, we talk about it and Sky's kind of sold Deadline Day as a brand. Uh, mm. And it's, uh, it's been amazing. It brings so much traction. It gets the fans talking about it. Um, but look, we also know that, especially in January, recent years, January's just got worse and worse and worse. And this was probably the worst January transfer window we've mm. ever seen. Um, so it involved being down in Brighton uh, in the morning and doing very, very little until the evening uh, and until they signed a two, eight, an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old on deadline day. And that brought more traction uh, to the club than anything else that had been done the whole window for Brighton. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting one. You've got to be there because you just, you need, Sky needs someone there just in case. Because as yeah. we know, deals can happen last minute. They can go through very quickly. They, the situation can change and evolve. And if you've not got any coverage down there, you've not got any representative there, it's, it doesn't look great for Sky, who are the leading voice for the for the Premier League, certainly in this country. So you have to be there ready. But yes, yeah, sadly, when Roberto De Zerbi left, at, I think he left around three o'clock. I was mm. I sat inside the training centre and um, I stood up and shook his hand. Cause I've, I've, yeah, I've interviewed him many times and he's a very good guy. But when when, when he starts leaving at three o'clock, you pretty much notice. Yeah too much that's going to happen at this point and it gives you a little smile to go are you, are you what are you having yeah. for dinner you're in for a long night you're like okay great yeah, well, well, I don't think anyone even turned up for Gail at Arsenal so you know yeah I think she, she did a couple of hits I mean it's funny because you got you know we we know I know the reporters who are going to be at all the different grounds that we were already every hour you get every hour we get an email sent through going right this is who's going to do the lives and you look at it in anticipation going I look at my camera guy it's like yep we're not needed this hour so let's go and get some food and we just were constantly in and out of the training ground going to get food coffees juices whatever it is because yeah unfortunately sometimes that's how it goes but you know look if you're at the right time then it's great. I mean, I did, unfortunately, I was at Spurs in the summer quite a bit and um, mm. I was outside when James Madison signed for Tottenham and we happened to pick a day that we heard rumours that it might happen, but there was no guarantee. And then by dissecting, by speaking to the club, by just kind of keeping an eye on what cars were arriving at the training ground, all of a sudden everything went and he had turned up for a medical, pictures were taken the signing was announced in that evening. We were able to really go kind of big on the signing because we had the visibility there at the time. So, yeah, sometimes it's about right place, right time uh, with these transfer dealings. But Brighton, yeah, wrong place. Wrong time. <laughs> well, there you go, people. A little glimpse behind the curtain for, for deadline day. I hope that the summer ones uh, will be a little bit more exciting for you, fingers crossed. If it's Brighton again... It's Brighton again. Maybe it'll be someone else. We'll have to wait you never know, mate. They can send me anywhere. Who knows? I'll take Brighton. Then. They're a good club. They're a nice club. <laughs> They're a good club. Yeah, no, they do a lot of good work in the transfer market, to be fair to Absolutely. them as well. Um, as James said, you can follow him on Twitter at James Green in UK. Make sure you do. And uh, you'll sh I'm sure you'll see him uh, plenty on the channel as well going forwards to uh, Top Man. Appreciate your time, mate. Um, Please, listeners, if you've enjoyed it, drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. And I will see you, of course, bright and early tomorrow again at 8 a.m. Uh, this will be going out on audio platform. So if you've enjoyed it as well, please do leave a five-star rating and a review if you're on iTunes as well. See you soon. Have a great day. Keep celebrating hard, loud, and, and as annoyingly as possible. 
as always, get your cameras out indeed. And we'll see you again soon. Stay safe, stay well, stay happy. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, up the Arsenal. Come on, you gooners. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.